Welcome to the Bar Hacks Podcast. Engaging interviews, plus tips and strategies to navigate your bar or restaurant business towards sustainable success. Now, here's your host, hospitality industry veteran, journalist, and editor, David Klempt. Welcome back to the Bar Hacks Podcast. I hope you're well. We have Tiffany Yardy of Shoki, which you're going to get to learn all about in this episode. How's it going, Tiffany? Hey, hey. So glad to be here. Awesome. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. So for the listeners, can you sort of walk... That was a terrible, terrible question. Can, can you... <laughs> Just, you know... Hi, everybody. I'm going to spare Dave all the pains of introducing me because we actually know each other very well. We met through Bar Convent Brooklyn and our spirits were just kindred. I got him, he got me. And so I'm thankful to be on this show. And I'm going to go ahead and introduce myself before he bushes us any further. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Tiffany. Yes, I am the proud founder of Shoki Bev, which is a spirit-free cocktail brand that celebrates all things Afro-Caribbean. Our flavors hail from my travels through West Africa, as well as the rich Caribbean heritage of my upbringing. My family immigrated to this country in the 70s under the Jimmy Carter era from the beautiful Isle of Barbados. So I've got one foot here in the States and one foot in the Caribbean, and our flavors are reminiscent of all the wonderful things that I grew up on. Uh, You know, at the end of the day, good food, good wine, good weed, brings people together. And so we hope that our beverages, whether infused in California or nationally uninfused, really, really just jumps into the joys and life of that kind of community. So thankful to be here and hoping whoever's listening gets their hands on some Shoki soon. We did meet, if you want to call it that, during a bar common in Brooklyn when they did their first all digital. How have things been going for Shoki since then? I mean, there has been a a massive pandemic, so I'm sure the answer isn't that easy, but. <laughs> oh, man. So I must say hats off to Bar Convent because, you know, I think it's one of, probably one of the best um, networking events, all things considered. Uh, it was really good. It's easy to connect with people, get some meetings scheduled, and how I met you. And so um, I will say very well done on their part. You know, launching this brand September 2020. So we turned our kettles on in Jan, Jan 2020, went through all the hiccups of a broken supply chain, couldn't find caps, couldn't find bottles, couldn't find anyone to get anything to us on time. You know, shipageddon was a thing in 2020. <laughs> Things got lost everywhere. And finally making it to our first shelves in September through a pandemic was probably the hardest thing, the hardest work I've ever done in my life. Um, mostly for the the work is the work, um, but I'll say the emotional trauma of a year like last year definitely kind of weighed really heavy on me um, and the team. But we muscled through, got you know our first um, bottles online, uh, Ruby Spice, which is a hibiscus clove blend um, known as Sabolo in West Africa, um, Ghana specifically, as well as Sorrel, the other name for the same product in the Caribbean. So it's our grown-up version of Sorrel and Sabolo. Really perfect for the bar experience and that zero proof lifestyle. You know, folks are looking for a new kind of buzz without the alcohol. And so the other two flavors are pineapple and mint, uh, of which are infused in the state of California and available as far north as Humboldt and as far south as Palm Springs. So really excited to entrench in the state and of course, nationally being able to, to get these products out to the world is the goal. 
I actually like to do the Ruby Spice with Topo Chico. But what's your favorite way to, to enjoy it? Oh, you're so good. Well, you know, I do love, I'm inspired. I got to try that. <laughs> I do love Ruby Spice with just a touch of Marby Bark Rum, uh, Mountain Gay. I do love the mint with a touch of sparkling water, maybe a little LaCroix. Pineapple, which is another fave of mine. I mean, they're all, I love them all, right? Uh, but I do like that straight up. Uh, there's a little bit of ice and a twisted lime just to add a little citrus. That's my jam. What would you say would be your best advice for operators who bring Shoki into their operation? They want to experiment with it with beverages that complement menus. Yeah, you know, the idea is that each each of our flavors is multi is multi-dimensional. So the pineapple has hints of ginger and it gets a, a nice earthy finish. Um, the mint has these lifts of rosemary and a little bit of, of lavender and those those aromas. The ruby spice, as I mentioned, has the hibiscus, the clove, a bit of cinnamon. So that has that really kind of weighty uh, mouthfeel. And so all of which go with the basics, whether you're a seasoned bartender, a mixologist extraordinaire, and everything in between, even the enthusiasts, rum, vodka, and of course, gin. And so being able to get as explorative as you'd like, you know, in the spectrum of vodkas, whether you want to go infused or play with certain kinds of garnish or, you know, all natural juices. You know, I love squeezing a full blood orange and mixing that with a bit of ruby spice, and I'm looking to just get away from the alcohol for a little bit. It's just so many options. And when I sip it, it doesn't feel like I'm sipping on, you know, you know, a kitty meal, <laughs> apple juice, you know, and I feel like that's the pressure, I think, for people who are in that sober curious realm, where, you know, the dry January and, you know, the, the dry February is apparently a thing because the year just restarted, right? <laughs> the year doesn't start until February. And so, you know, what does that look like? It shouldn't be boring. And so with that, when you think about what goes with ginger, Ginger is a huge foundation of our products. I grew up on ginger. My family grew up on ginger. We put ginger in our food, our drinks, and everything in between. And so with that said, you know, knowing that there's health benefits to it, we know that it has a wonderful aroma that lingers, and it's very polarizing. Either you love it or you hate it. It's one thing about ginger. There's no in-betweens. That's my kind of jam. That's, that's kind of reminiscent of who I am. <laughs> Either you're with me or you're not, you know? And I think there's a beauty of that because you know who you're talking to. So we're for the ginger lovers in the world. And, you know, you think about what kind of creative projects you can come up with, what kind of creative menus, you can really make your sober segments of your menu sing with our products. And especially for those, again, looking for those multi-dimensional flavors, the heat from the ginger, a bit of the natural kick from the fruits or the herbs, and um, you can reimagine it a million ways. Their favorite food dish or dishes when you're enjoying your uh, the ruby spice specifically? Oh yeah, I make a nice <laughs> jerk chicken skewer. I love my little um, jerk chicken skewers. I also make this really nice, well, late night, we call it the midnight brunch. And I actually put it up on TikTok and there are these really cute little quail egg cups. And it's the most fun thing to make late at night because you put it in those little mini cupcake trays you put the quail egg, a little bit of ham, a little bit of cheese, some fresh parsley and, and olive oil, or sometimes coconut oil, depending on what your jam that night. Throw some Parmesan on that sucker. It's ready in 15 minutes. And you can sip that with your shoki. And it's a fun little bite thing. And it's kind of bougie. You know, you get to have this kind of like <laughs> low-key luxury vibe, you know. I'm having quail eggs at midnight, you know. <laughs> 
So it kind of became a thing. I mean, honestly, if you really want to go for it, you can certainly get some infused coconut oil and uh, kick it up and out with some cannabis. You know, that's another conversation, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we can touch on that uh, in, a, in a little bit. Okay. Um, but switching gears more to you as a, a business owner in the beverage space, and also, I mean, you're in the, the cannabis space, what would you say are some characteristics that set you apart as a brand owner and how have they helped you? And is there any challenges where they've actually maybe hurt you a little bit? You know, I would say as a, as a professional, my mindset's always set to this relentless drive for progress. You know, excellence being a baseline, you know, you show up every day, you show up five minutes early, you come in and, and you see a problem, your first, your first inkling, you know, is to solve it. Where can I find answers? Let me ask every question I can, because that's the only way I'm going to find the right answer. And that's great, you know, in a typical, you know, uh, year, or should I say for a new entrepreneur, being a good student, a life learner, having mentors, listening, following the, the tried and true methods, and really, you know, again, taking on that humble role of apprentice to, as, you, as you build your skills. But in a year like a pandemic, give yourself some grace, Tiff. I think that was the biggest pain point for me was I beat myself up when things just weren't going right. And it's like, people are literally dying every day. There are people who, who again, are, are, are challenged mentally right now from the, the sheer isolation from life and, and shifts in how they do business, shifts in how they raise their families. Like, give yourself some grace and everyone else around you you know, beating your, you know, trying to beat your head through a wall in a typical year. Yeah. You probably get a gold star because, oh, you, you know, you only lost a limb getting to the solution. Right. But <laughs> a whole different ball game when again, every day is a, is a discussion about life and death. Literally. Um, I think, you know, that mindset doesn't work, you know, every time. And I think that's when the humbling um, aspect of 2020 taught me about more about balance and knowing that there has to be a time for rest. No matter how hard you're working, you must find time for rest and for the people that you love because there's no, there's nothing guaranteed tomorrow. And I think um, that was a, a big lesson for me, especially as someone who's, you know, a workaholic, go get, you know, all the things and I'm a recovering, you know, corporate type. So, you know, um, B2B sales, the end of the day, that those hours are grueling. And so thinking that's, you know, the badge of honor. Oh, long gone are those days. Total mindset, sh- um, total, total shift. Came to market in September of last year during a crazy difficult year for everyone. Restaurant operators, I mean, bar operators, hotel operators all just got destroyed, basically. And you are in the beverage industry. So as a small business owner, what are some ways that independent operators, chain operators can help a small business like yourself? And how can you help them? Well, we are close to the consumer. When we're this small, they get to hear the real voices, the real experiences. We get to hear, you know, the, the true likes and dislikes and, and, and even get a, get a head start on what they're looking to solve and what, what, what kind of products they're actually in search of. And I think being that close to the ground is an advantage to any large operator because we come with real stories um, and real customers that, again, it's that much harder for a small business to build a loyal base. So when they do... We're bringing a customer base that can certainly drive sales and with the right help, elevate everyone. They say high tides raise all ships, right? So I think that's the benefit. I would say how big operators can help small guys know that we're not going to come with the polished, you know, reports and the, and the nine person sales team. Give us a chance. Put us on the shelf. Put us in a prime spot for crying out loud. <laughs> so, so we can at least, you know, again, have a fighting spot to, to really kind of get some traction and partner with us. 
you know, not, not, not outside, you know, Women's History Month or Black History Month, you know, I'm at the intersection of both where I'm a Black woman for crying out loud, but know that I wear my Blackness every day. I'm a woman every day, 365. So it's great when you have you know, these programs in place and very celebratory at certain times of the year. But, you know, it's great when you find a partner who's willing to stay with you a year in, you know, and oh, we're running this program a year long and it goes beyond the, the hoops of, say, um, you know, a, a apprentice programs. Those are great. What about those who, who have the product ready to go? those who have their Amazon stores um, drumming, those who have, you know, just couldn't get a hold of the right buyer, just couldn't get through all the bureaucracy of a big, of a big ship. It'd be nice to have some streamlined programs for folks like that. And ultimately folks like us, that would, that, that's how they can help us. I, I would do find it curious. And I mean, we all know parts of the game, but when someone does take a, take a flyer, maybe on a new brand, and then they don't put it front and center, and then they're surprised that the new brand didn't perform like they thought it might. <laughs> If they could see our faces, <laughs> you know, it's, look, it takes so much to get a brand off the ground. Um, I know, and I'm in the trenches, so I see it. Yeah, our product just came out in September, but this, this has been a two-year journey for us, two years. And in that two years, what we learned was we know that there has to be a level of, of amplification before the product drops. We know that there has to be this huge marketing push to make through the noise. We know that product has to be able to get on the shelf and, 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 and be replenished in real time. We understand all those levers. But what people fail to, I guess, support because they know it's there is the dollars the dollars, like where is the investment on the other side to say, listen, we're going to keep this in this spot. This Usually the big guys pay $10,000 a month to be on this end cap and this aisle for this amount of months. We're giving this up to brands that are, are really trying and have a good story and have some significant traction. We want to give them that space and we want to make sure we're amplifying them. That's where you put, you know, your dollars where your intentions are and to make sure that you see some results. Because that's really the only answer. When you think about impulse buyers, you think about, you know, positioning, all the big guys get all the prime spots. And then, like you said, you know, you throw someone in the middle of a, and in this case, get me start on a pain point, uh, you know, tradition, you know, five years ago, the only place you could find Caribbean foods was in the ethnic aisle right next to say Mexican foods or Indian foods or, you know, international fanfare. And it's like, how about you just put the rice with the rice? <laughs> How about you just put the juice with the juice? How about, you know, and, and I think there's some of that's buyer sentiment. So some of it's educating the consumer where to go. But at the end of the day, we're beyond that. We're global citizens. The world is so much more connected than it's ever been. At this point, people can go and shop and decide what they want based on the, the bucket of what they're looking to get. And so I think um, there's elements of that, of this being able to decentralize the, the supermarket experience or the buying experience. So it's more streamlined and, and less friction for the consumer when they, when they want to support you know, minority, black, uh, gender focused um, brands, or, you know, re represented brands. It's, it's really kind of crazy um, that there's still so much friction around that. And some of it's to do with, you know, some buyers have been in their roles a long time. Some people who, you know, I, I noticed that when there's a shakeup at certain stores, I'll get more, more feedback. I'll get more calls, more callbacks. Oh, hi, thanks for that pitch. You know, I'd love to get a sample of what you've got. Let's talk about it. But, you know, people who've been in their roles a long time, you know, and again, no shade to them. I, they, do, they do fantastically for their, for their companies. But at the same time, it makes it harder for us to, to break the, you know, those relationships and to start new ones. So that's, that, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Hi there. Just a quick message before we get you back to this episode. 
If you're looking to take your bar, restaurant, or hospitality business to the next level, I mean to profits of 12 to 15% or more, it's time to take action. Let's start creating your roadmap to success with our proprietary strategies, tools, resources that will inspire your team, activate your potential, and lead your hospitality brand to margins you never thought possible. Visit krghospitality.com right after this episode for more information. Now, back to the Bar Hacks podcast. Beyond also the pain point of dealing with distributors right now and figuring all of that out, uh, what do you have planned for Shoki throughout the end of the, throughout this year? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> really excited for what's coming. We are introducing our single serve cocktail. So what, what folks know about Shoki now is that it's basically three cocktails in a bottle or six shots in a bottle of, of the ultimate party, quote unquote, again, sober living. And so however you reimagine it, add it to your, 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 your shelving, your home bar, whatever you end up doing with it. Amazing. With that said, that's the first way you can enjoy it. In California, because it's infused with THC, 30 milligrams per bottle, 10 milligrams per serving, and 2.5 milligrams per ounce, what you have is the capacity to buy a, buy it in bulk, quote unquote, and being able to use it in your normal day-to-day course. In California, single service king. So that's kind of a, you know, a hack right there to know that if you're getting into the beverage space, especially as it relates to cannabis right now, single serve is it. And so everything in between, you know, has a hard time, whether it's distribution, whether it's cost, whether it's the, the friction of being able to get into a consumer shopping cart and they're leaving, all the things. Single serve really kind of helps get through some of that noise. And of course, it's cost efficient, less milligrams, it's more palatable, all the things. So we're going to be introducing that this year. Very excited. And two more flavors are coming down the pike. So as I mentioned, we've got the ruby spice, the pineapple, the mint, and the passion fruit. We're going to be adding a really, really nice new flavor. I don't want to give it away just yet. So head to our website, join the mailing list for more information on that. Shameless plug. And so um, beyond that, on the other side of it, the non-infused, we're hoping to get into stores. We want to see Shoki as a zero proof, again, sober, curious lifestyle brand that folks can, again, come home and say, hey, you know, this actually makes a cute nightcap, even without the rum, even without the vodka. You know, again, make it your own. We're hoping to get into more stores and we have the e-commerce store up now. And we're really excited to, again, get this national push going. And now that I think that, you know, with the holidays past and I think most of these carriers recalibrating, (laughs) realizing that, you know, the end of the day, you know, folks are going to be still shipping things and, you know, stores are still hard to, to shop in all the things. I think that's going to be really great for us as we streamline a lot of our shipping and speed of which we can get our products directly to consumers. Um, looking to entrench 2021, man. It's go time. That's what we're excited about. Might be a big question, but what do you see for the world of CBD and THC and cannabis in general in 2021? Oh, huge question. More legalization, tons of legalization. And, you know, one thing I will say about the cannabis industry, it's one of the, it's, it's the industry, if not the, the the last industry you'll see like born before your eyes next to Bitcoin, right? You know, ultimately it's very unique in that there is no way to get into this market and not have to confront politics, uh, the war on drugs, social equity, disenfranchisement of black and brown people. Um, There's no way to not join that conversation. 
And you should not avoid that conversation, um, especially as it relates to the billions of dollars already being pumped into this industry just nationally. Uh, with that said, you know, what's to come, you know, and again, the horizon is that you're going to see a lot more states legalized. Just last week, you know, Schumer put out, you know, his bill that talks about federal legalization of cannabis. And so that federal legalization ultimately is going to be a real game changer if we can get that across the aisle, you know. <laughs> You know, with the Democratic held Senate and Democratic held, you know, House representatives, it's going to be a much more interesting um, conversation um, as it relates to legalization and what that looks like. And then, of course, the issues around interstate commerce. In fact, I make cannabis products in California and I can't ship it to Idaho, Utah, Oregon, Washington, Nevada, <laughs> you know, which is, again, neighboring markets where I can just make it once, sell it everywhere and get more bang for a buck, Right you know, and get more reach. No, it can't leave the state. And so then, so how the heck do you expand? Well, it means you've got to replicate your entire model in another state. How expensive is that? You know, all those things are going to change. You know, New York is going to come legal. We saw what happened in New Jersey just last November. Um, you know, Arizona's online officially with their recreational programs. And so, you know, one thing about, about the industry as a general matter, it's still very, it's still a wide open space. Like the headlines make you think you're missing a ship, but like <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, you think of things like Oklahoma, thousands of licenses deployed, you know, then you've got states like California where you're still fighting to get a license. Um, you know, you're, you're you, and so it's really the wild, wild west of what's happening. And so the biggest trends are going to be CPG. You know, folks are getting into edibles, especially after a year of a pandemic where, you know, you literally were attacked, a virus attacked your lungs and you were put on vents. Like people know the hell ventilators were <laughs> until last year. And so as people became more thoughtful about, you know, smokables, you know, making choices of, you know, when to smoke, the frequency of smoking, um, just, and just thinking about the carcinogenic aspects of, you know, those who still smoke cigarettes. I mean, there's a shift around just smokables generally. And I'm not going to say there's anything wrong with consuming um, cannabis as a smokable, but there's also tons of benefits of just having it as an edible, a different, a different buzz, a different high, a different elevated experience. And so you're going to see a lot more products coming online, palatable products, you know, a lot more formulations coming from chefs and mixologists alike. You're going to see a lot of juices and teas, and you're going to find um, new products that fit your lifestyle, whether they're additives, whether they're, um, you know, powders, whether they're liquids, if they're syrups, if they're, you know, again, it goes beyond what you thought a gummy, a gummy bear or a brownie was, you know, things are going to be, you know, Whole30 and um, pa um, Paleo, you know, all, all the different types of ways you can diet. I mean, things that are going to be aligned with what your lifestyle is. Is cannabis is a plant first. It's a medicine first, right? And we enjoy it for its pleasures here at Tribe Shoki. And, you know, at the end of the day, there's room for all of it and it's all natural. And just like alcohol, responsible consumption, you know, to, can it fit into your lifestyle without hindering your lifestyle, right? And so that's going to be the, the, the nice shift. And that's where the normalization is going to come from. You know, you're going to start taking out, you know, thinking the weeds come out the stash box. No, it's coming out the fridge right, right, right next to your, you know, half finished bottle of Merlot. <laughs> so, you know, at the end of the day, that's where it's headed. And, you know, come hell or high water, this is this train's left the station. So I think that's what you're going to see a lot of. And there's still some some level of conservatism across the nation as it relates to, you know, the, again, this war on drugs and and the message of, of, of the end of the day, you know, you've got white boys being able to enjoy you know, a, a blunt on a rooftop 
but then you've got a young black boy who's going to jail because he's got a three, an ace in his pocket. And that that is a, is a travesty at this point in 2021. And so, um, you know, you, you will confront all of it. Um, but that's a that's a big question. And we could dissect it into anything, you know, from a legislation standpoint to what kind of products we're going to see that, you know, again, I give you a little piece of this, this little another nugget around potency. You know, you got states like New York thinking about, you know, when they go legal, we're going to just tax you based on how strong it is. What the hell is that? Like, <laughs> I didn't make any sense. <laughs> so, you know, we think about people who use it for medicine, that's 100 milligrams, you know, higher than that, you know, depending on how sick you are. And then, you know, we think about people who use it for recreation, who have high tolerance. And then on the flip end of that, you know, you've got folks who just want to get a quick little, you know, little dose of sunshine, if I call it, you know, a little micro dose experience. So now you've got to pay more because you need more, like, or you want more. That doesn't make any sense. So I think all those things are going to kind of come in the wash. And what I appreciate about this market is that supply and demand, at the end of the day, the market will regulate itself if, you know, a lot of the politics get out the way. Um, but again, that's a bigger conversation, but it's a really interesting time all around. I directly stole this next question uh, from Jim Jeffries and his podcast, which at the end, he asked his guests what they call the dinner party fact. So I thought I would ask you what I'm tentatively calling, you know, the bar chat fact, but what is something about Shoki that maybe people still don't know that you love to share? What do people don't know about Shoki? The Shoki was born on the shores of Accra, Ghana. Um, I had spent 26 weekends working in 2017, and I went to Ghana to visit my good friends and some great family and to literally unpack, recharge, and spray champagne from my nipples. <laughs> so the idea was to have a really good time. And I was on a holiday and just loving Oh, just having a ball. And it's where I met my co-founder, George Ehoesi, um, he's a tech sales guy. And um, he had an idea about some local juices, infusing it with just um, typical alcohols, maybe a nice mixer, you know, a low ABV. And he's like, you know, it'd be nice to bring back to the state, especially for, with the local flavors here and be able to support local farmers, depending on what type of infusions we use. So we were just chopping it up, you know, and, 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 and trying to figure out, you know, huh, and again, he planted a seed in my head and, and I and I couldn't shake it. I got back to New York and he stayed in contact and he's like, Tip, you know, I think we got something here. And I said, I really do think we do. We'll, let's try this. And so he said, Tip, you know, how do you want to do this? And so the rest has been a wild lot of history since 2017. So I stay after a month and a half on the shores of, of Ghana, you know, on a continent that again, is, is my heritage, my ancestry. It says a lot about where this product comes from, comes from the heart, comes from, you know, representation on a, such a, on such a personal and ancestral level of just being able to pay homage to all that raised us. And the fact that the idea didn't come to me while I was home on my couch or surfing the web or, you know, inspired from a podcast, it came from an experience going back to the continent, as we say, the continent, um, to, to reconnect and recharge. And someone who walks unapologetically in her Blackness, as I do, it says a lot about what the product stands for and what it's, what it's designed to do wherever it lives, whatever shelf it's on. I love it. And I mean, obviously, I'm a big fan of the Ruby Spice. So, <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> How can people connect with you and Shoki on social yeah. IG at Tribe Shoki, T-R-I-B-E-S-H-O-K-I. I'm also Facebook, Tribe Shoki. 
And certainly you can also reach me um, via LinkedIn, Tiffany Yard, um, and of course, www.tribeshoki.com. I got your last name wrong in the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> I said Nardi. <laughs> it's all good. I've been getting that my whole life. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, actually, it's funny because it comes from watching uh, Snatch recently. And when Goldie is on in his scene in the pawn shop, he says he's a bad boy Yardi. And so I saw a yard for E and I said it. <laughs> Love it. Make sure we keep this in. <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on. It was awesome. It was an honor to have you on. I really appreciate it. Oh, the pleasure was mine. This was a joy. I can't thank you enough for the opportunity. I don't get to do a lot of, enough of this. Um, I don't think, I don't, yeah, I don't have a budget for marketing. And so it's always very, always helpful when I get opportunities like this and I always jump on it. So can't thank you enough for the, for the chance. Thank you for listening to the Bar Hacks podcast produced by KRG Hospitality and hosted by me, David Clem. If you like what you're hearing, please rate, review, subscribe, and share. Follow us on Twitter at Ask Bar Hacks and Instagram at Bar Hacks. Talk to you soon.